Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we'll be discussing the topic of management practices to promote calf health at weaning. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Brian Vanderlei, who's an extension veterinarian based at the Great Plains Veterinary Education Center located near Clay Center, Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Vanderlei. Thank you. Dr. Vanderlei, as we record this podcast, we're sitting here in late July, and it might seem that weaning is a ways off, but for folks who calve early in the calving season, they may be starting to think about doing some things like preconditioning of calves. As we think about the weaning process, what are some things we can do to think about mitigating stress that occurs during that process and some practices that may help us ensure calf health as we move through weaning? I like to break down the uh, the weaning process into things that are going to drive stress, which ultimately we think is going to drive disease risk in calves. So I, I break these down into several categories. We know that the calf is going to go through some very important transitions as it, as it transitions from being on pasture with a cow to ultimately going into some sort of a a feedlot situation or heifer development, uh, whatever the case may be. So we know there's going to be some relatively big changes. So just to kind of start that list, ideas that I think about are uh, we're going to change what the calf eats. It's going to go from nursing and grazing to transitioning into, into a different diet scheme that doesn't include milk anymore for sure, even if it does continue to graze. We're going to transition that calf's relationships. It's going to move from having a social bond with its dam to having to let go of that bond or having that bond be broken. Another thing that drives a tremendous amount of stress that we often forget to include as we think about mitigating stress for calves, if we have different management groups of cows and calves, we'll co-mingle calves at weaning, which will really drive stress. It'll also drive, you know, if there's any pathogens that have developed in group and not in the other, those pathogens are often transmitted at that point to a calf that's stressed anyway. So co-mingling is a big problem. In some cases, They have to transition where they think about going to get water, depending on their water source. If they've been drinking out of something that's more natural, a creek or a pond, versus transitioning to some sort of a tank or automatic watering device. So all these things kind of create a lot of uncertainty for the calf, which is going to generate some stress, psychological stress, we think. It's hard to ask a calf to go ahead and tell us about that, but we think that generates psychological stress as they reestablish the pecking order cope with the broken bond between themselves and their dams. And then there's also physiologic stress that happens as they go through those nutritional changes and have to learn to adapt to a new environment in some cases. So Brian, as we think about those things that you just mentioned that sure can be triggers of stress, what are some things we can think through from a management perspective to try to reduce those numbers of stressors or, or limit what those stressors are to the calf in terms of helping him make that transition? It's going to vary with each operation. Each ranch is gifted with different skills, resources that are available to them. Some of them are going to have developed their low-stress cattle handling techniques. Some of them will have developed their pasture and fencing systems to be able to do different things at weaning than, than other ranches might have available. So just to kind of walk through the list, we can think about several options. Well, We'll start with the bond that has to be broken between the cow and the calf. There's several techniques that have been developed for doing that in a way that's less abrupt than simply moving the calves away from the cows or separating the cows and calves by some distance. A couple examples 
Our fence line weaning has been shown to be pretty effective in some circumstances. Another option is the nose flaps. Uh, they have to be used appropriately. You don't want to leave those in for very long. Probably no more than a week at the outside, three or four days is much better. But the idea with both of those is that in the, in the research, they've shown that that helps separate the nutritional bond and the social bond in two steps. So the cow can still interact with the calf. The calf just can't derive any of its nutrition from the cow anymore. The interesting thing about the research is it's really variable what they find. Sometimes it works better. Sometimes there's no difference. I've not seen very much where it's, it's worse to do those types of things unless with the nose flaps they get some injuries to the nose. That will sometimes drive some problems. But in most cases, at least is good or better than abrupt weaning. And I think the differences come from people's ability to kind of ease those calves into that. Both of those events require management or, or handling on the part of the rancher. So if the, if the handling is higher stress, it's more likely, in my opinion, that the outcomes of that weaning technique won't be as, as uh, satisfactory as they could be if they use low stress handling and low-stress sorting techniques, stuff like that. And the bottom line on those things is, especially separating the bond, is to look for ways to calmly get the calf separated from the cow and give them the opportunity, if the ranch is set up to do so, to have some time to work through breaking that bond instead of making it really abrupt. I think that's a great point. And one thing I was going to bring up just a little bit is I think we think about weaning as an event that occurs but really, we're doing a lot of things with that calf and cow prior to weaning that sure can impact how that calf views the person who's handling them, how they interact with them. I'm just thinking about going all the way back to uh, when that calf is born and, and maybe how handling occurred when it was tagged or, or things like that. Uh, things that the handler of that cow and calf did early on can sure impact their relationship or how that calf views the person handling them at weaning. So, we can do some things even before we get to that point that can set the stage that already starts to provide a, a reaction by that calf that can be viewed as either positive or negative even before we get to that time when we're ready to wean. That's, that's absolutely true. In fact, uh, not to play a game of one-up, Aaron, but I think it goes even further back than that to the types of selection decisions we make regarding the, the docility of our cows. If, if we choose cows that have pretty aggressive or flighty personalities, that will be uh, passed on to their calf. Same thing is true of bulls, but it seems to be especially true of, of there's some learned behavior there, and those calves will, will react to stimuli from people the same way that, that their dams do, and that will certainly drive stress at separation. You know, if they, as you said, if they view people as a threat rather than as a, as a source of protection and sustenance, they definitely will respond poorly to separation and human interaction. So you're absolutely right. Weaning starts way, way back, well before the the day of weaning actually happens. So that the same thing can actually be said of some of the other things that drive stress. For instance, the nutritional stresses that calves go through. I think there are some ways that ranchers can think their way through about how they can either provide a similar environment to what the calves were on before they were weaned for them to go through the weaning process on so that they can continue to graze on a, on a well-managed pasture with, with good grass that will 
meet a calf's needs. You got to think a little differently between a calf and a cow at that point, because calves are going to have a different set of nutritional requirements than what a cow is going to have. But if you can provide pasture that a calf is accustomed to, where they can continue to graze as they've been doing for quite a while with the cow, certainly will will remove some of the stress that comes with having to transition to a different diet. Conversely, I think ranchers can think about ways to introduce the the weaning or the post-weaning diet to the calf while it's still on the cow. Feeding both cows and calves can be a good way to train calves how to eat a different diet or a supplement. It can be kind of expensive from the perspective of the feeding the cows is expensive. And I, I don't advocate for increasing expense, but if, if you're going to have to feed those calves something after weaning that they're not accustomed to, it might be worth a little bit of money to train those calves to eat and have the cows help in that training process. Same thing can be said for water, making sure that the water source that the calves have post weaning is either something they've seen before or something that they, uh, they can continue uh, what they were used to as a calf on the cow. You know, I think that's really a, a critical one. And obviously in your position, Dr. Vanderlei, you see this all the time, but dehydration for a calf is pretty detrimental to its health. And so keeping that calf hydrated, thinking about having good quality water in front of the calf. And then I think also your just your comment, you know, if they've been drinking from a natural water source, a stream, a, a pond, how do we try to create a situation there where they can quickly find that water source, learn to drink in a different scenario than maybe what they have been prior? Yeah, sometimes those are not possible to get them perfectly matched. But keys here too are, are the same. If you're going to feed something different, make sure it's fresh and really good quality. That includes the water and the feed, not just not just the feed. Making sure that any water tanks are, are clean, free of algae, that kind of stuff. Good fresh water is a huge driver. You're absolutely right. Dehydration is a huge driver of illness. If you think about blood as sort of the superhighway that runs through the body delivering what needs to be delivered, to where it needs to go. The immune system is using that highway to get around the body and, and make sure that nothing bad is happening. And dehydration essentially is a traffic jam in the highway. So you've got everything kind of slows down and gets kind of sluggish and it, it's going to generate issues with the calf's ability to respond to pathogens that invade. So it, dehydration is definitely a risk factor for, for illness that we're, we're pretty familiar with. So some other things we haven't talked about yet that are often more common is just thinking about maybe preparing that calf's immune system to respond to a, a challenge. Share with us a little more about how we might do that, thinking about some of the more common things we think about, such as vaccinations and things like that. Yeah, so preconditioning usually involves some sort of vaccine program. And going back to what we've talked about up to this point, weaning is a is a hugely stressful period of time for a calf. And there's it's, it's still a relatively common practice to wean calves and process them the same day they're weaned. It, it works well from a labor standpoint. The calves are gathered. It's relatively easy to send them through a, a processing facility and administer vaccines and, and other products. But I would really challenge your listeners, Aaron, to think about what we're asking that calf to do. So if we're going to use those products, and they can be very valuable, I like to think of them about as insurance policies. 
I really don't want my calf to have to use its vaccine because that means it was exposed to the pathogen that we're trying to vaccinate against. I'd much rather control their exposure. It's much the same as I buy insurance because I don't want to have to to worry about what happens if I get in a car accident and don't have insurance. But if I get in one, I'm sure happy to have that insurance. Same thing is true for vaccines. So if, if we want to use vaccines and have them work the way we want them to, we need to make sure that our calf is ready to respond, which essentially is the, the same things that make it possible for calves to stay healthy during weaning are the very same things that make it possible for a calf to respond well to a vaccination. I'm a huge fan of vaccination pre-weaning. If we're going to try to develop some protection that we think we might need, it's better to have it there before we need it than try to put it in place afterward. And that, in my opinion, is really what's happening with, with weaning time vaccination. We're exposing the calves at the same time we're, we're trying to generate some vaccination protection. And inherently, that means we're behind because it takes at least a week, probably more like two to three weeks, to generate a full, well-rounded immune response post-vaccination. So a lot of bad stuff can happen even in the first week after vaccination. And that's assuming that the calves were in a capacity, they were, they were not experiencing so much stress that they couldn't respond to the vaccine. So pre-weaning vaccination, trying to be at least a two or three week window out in front of weaning, I think is a positive thing. It's more labor, but I think going back to what we talked about earlier with what we do before weaning really influences how weaning works. Taking that preconditioning opportunity, that pre-weaning vaccination is an opportunity to train the cows and the calves and help them grow accustomed to what's going to happen at weaning time is just another opportunity to minimize the stress they're going to experience going into that weaning process. So one thing I'll also mention just briefly, and we're, we could dive into this and go quite a ways, but I do think there is some good research out there that shows calves need to have a ample mineral program in place, and that may be from the forage they graze or may need to be provided in a supplement if you're in places where you're deficient in some minerals or you have some minerals that are antagonists. But immune response and minerals do seem to go together, and so having adequate in place is important. Uh, give some thoughts there, Dr. Vandela, in terms of how that might fit into a weaning program. You caught me in a weak spot. Uh, I, I'm not a mineral nutritionist. I, I know enough about minerals to be dangerous. But here's a couple things I do know. Copper and so things like copper and zinc and uh, cobalt has been shown to be very important for immune responses. Selenium is an important mineral for immune response as well. In, in each of these cases, deficiencies are roughly equivalent to toxicity. So we can have too much or too little of any mineral in those categories and get into trouble. So it's important to know what's going on in your area. Most ranchers tend to, to have some ideas about that. And local beef extension educators are a good resource for local conditions and can provide some uh, guidance on what might be there, uh, as are local feed companies and, and local nutritionists. That's a very localized problem. Uh, you're absolutely right in that if you have deficiencies or excesses, those very much can drive problems with health. When I see most of the wrecks that I see at or you know at weaning or, or thereafter, the typical picture that I paint of those things in, in retrospect as I look back is the picture of immunosuppression. So we have calves that were not prepared to handle the challenges that they faced. 
And instead of seeing one thing, I tend to see a lot of different things that manifest. So I'll see respiratory disease. And if we work those up, we'll find lots of different bacteria and viruses. And if I see respiratory disease, it's very likely that I'll also see gastrointestinal disease. So we'll see coccidia and scours of one kind or another pop up at weaning time. So these things kind of come as a bundled package of diseases, and they usually represent calves that just weren't ready for one reason or another. They might have been overstressed. They might not have had proper mineral nutrition. Very important thing. They might be short on macronutrients in some cases. Uh, Some calves coming off grass at weaning can be pretty deficient, or they can be getting a diet that's pretty deficient in protein and energy, especially as they transition into weaning. If careful attention isn't paid to what they're eating post-weaning, they can get in trouble. So paying attention to both the big and the little details really pays for weaning, which takes preparation. And maybe that's the theme here is that uh, thinking about this in advance of trying to execute it is really important. Anything else you'd like to highlight, Dr. Vanderlei, as we point towards wrapping this up? I'd reiterate what we started with. I think if you want to be really effective at maintaining calf health going through the weaning process, you have to think beyond what you can do to the calves as things develop, I think you, you need to think about the drivers that are going to make things go wrong. So stress, commingling, uh, nutritional changes, uh, all are going to drive the process. And rather than trying to put band-aids on health post-weaning through treatments and, and even in some cases through vaccination, think pretty hard in your own situation as, as you approach weaning about how you can mitigate that that stress of separating the dam and the calf, how you can ease the calf through the diet change that's going to occur as they as they lose milk and transition to something else. And then uh, especially, and we didn't emphasize this very much, but if there's a lot of mixing of groups of calves that's going to happen, think about how to mitigate that. Um, either wait until after weaning or perhaps do it before weaning. Um, to mix calves and wean them on the same day is, is another really good way to drive disease problems. So quick summary is think about what causes the problems and identify ways in your operation to to fundamentally try to alleviate those issues. Well, thanks for joining me today, Dr. Vanderlei. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. For more information on the topic that we discussed in today's Beef Wash podcast, I encourage you to visit the beef.unl.ed website. At the website, you'll be able to find several resources on this topic.